Hi guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, a Mitrap podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Not much. Busy week, man, but um, talking rap with you always always makes it seem to go by a bit faster. So I'm ready to jump yes. into Enemy at the Gates tonight. Yes, it does. I always look forward to these nights. I dread, not I don't dread, but like just I want to get everything perfect. And, you know, we just went through, I don't know, 30 minutes of pre-pro. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we we like to we actually put time into these things. These aren't just one off one, you know, off the cuff podcast. So uh, but once we're getting into it and doing it and talking, I, it just flows. I, I love it. So do you think we do too much planning in that, like the meat of our episodes and, and the good stuff is just our banter back and forth? Kind of when we go off the cuff? Or do you think we're stronger when we have, like, we're going to talk about this topic and then this topic? And then, of, of course, Martini has a quote to read. Kind of like when we're free-flowing. Um, I think it's a combination of both. I, I like when we're free-flowing and then you can, like, boom, you have this quote, boom, pull, pull about it About the topic, yeah. About the topic. Uh, a little bit of balance. In When we first started this podcast, you should see our notes. They were, like, <laughs> super meticulous. I mean, it was mid-pandemic, so we had plenty of time. We were a mess. Yeah, we, we were also were just a mess. <laughs> get it, getting a hold on it. So it's they've definitely, you know, we we figured out a rhythm with these things, and you know, I think uh, people are enjoying it. I hope. I also wonder how many people listened to our trailer, our first episode, and were like, "This audio is shit. I'm not listening to it." <laughs> I, I I wish we had the uh, equipment right off the bat because by like episode yeah. eight or ten, we got pretty good with the sound quality, but those first few, man. It was it was pretty rough. I I almost want to go back and re-record our first episode, right? Just to uh, you know hook people in better. Well, you know what we have to do. Maybe we record a trailer and replace that trailer, which is kind of like a little mini intro episode of a few minutes with our good audio, so people know we're we're actually legit. <laughs> we're legit podcasters. Yeah, we'll do it for season two for sure. There we go. Season two. Ooh, look at that. A little drop, but we'll little, save little that drop. discussion for another another couple of TBD. months. Uh, it's coming up faster than you know. That's true. It's true. Hey, can I address something from part one that I missed? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. We were talking about humor, and a lot of the humor we often talk about is with Mitch, and he becomes a little more lighthearted, and we're the, the evil domestic spirit. But Scott is funny as hell in this book. He's very funny. When we land in Africa and Scott has his feet up in a baby pool and he's calling out thousand bucks every minute <laughs> to say how much Ward is paying him. And he's like, oh, another thousand. <laughs> like, that's funny. That's so funny. I actually found myself doing that the other day. Uh, like, and I think I, I, now that you mentioned, I realized I probably took it from this book. I, I was doing this experiment and I was using something that's each each little thing is like eight dollars, and I, mean, I don't pay for it. Well, you do. I do pay for it through my taxes, and everyone listen to us. It's government government tax money. But but as I'm I'm messing up these with these little tweezers, every time I I, I mess up, I was like, boom, eight dollars, eight dollars, eight dollars down the drain. I was like, Fuck. you're wasting money. Where Scott is earning that dough by yeah, sitting with his feet up in Africa. I think they drink a lot of beers in this episode in this book. I, this ha book has a lot of alcohol. Rap cracks a beer like five or six times. With a homebrewer. Ward. Ward is a homebrewer. I like He's that. A, right. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Rap doesn't take me as the kind of guy that would enjoy a homebrew, though. You know, if you 
wanted to talk about autumnal meads and uh you know double triple dry, dry hop sticky ipas like raps just like give me the bud light you know give me the Miller light raps like just give me the bud light sit at the fire you know the back of the house watch the chesapeake bay because he did that in his old house but i feel like scott would get experimental because he's also a farmer true his 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 thing his comfort zone is back in Manassas with Anna raising, you know, um, oh, what's the, the goat's name? Um, that's a deep cut. Anna's mutton chop. No, uh, I think that's one of them. Uh, one of them has a distinct name that came up like three or four times. I, she but, might even mention it in this book. <laughs> no, I think so. I think they do. But Scott loves farming with her, and he's riding his tractor with the skulls and the flames on the side in his dream, and he's he's dreaming about Sonia from Total Power. Just uh, that was funny too. He actually wakes up because out of Sonia, instead of Sonia's like Russian accent, it's like what is it, Joe Maslick's deep deep voice? That's like, right. <laughs> Cuts him out of that, his dream. That was funny. That was really funny. He's dreaming about that sweet sweet cash money he could put into a new tractor to ride yeah. on with Sonia. That's funny. Oh, here's okay. Here's another little detail. When we get to the Saudi Arabia part today, you remember that Mitch was a Bruce Springsteen fan. You got a couple of Bruce references in Lethal Agent and something earlier. Well, here, his ringtone is "Fortunate Son." Got a little CCR on the rap playlist here. I like that. Rap loves his, uh, you know, his uh, classic rock. I guess. There was a Pete Seeger drop at one point too. Yeah, that's there was. what rap would have rather been listening to. I remember what, what was what was the one book where he had like um, I don't know, he had picked up like this cassette and it was just like right. a disco or techno or Euro something. trash. Euro trash, he called it. Yeah, yeah, and that's when he said, "I would have rather been listening to like Pete or Bob Seeger or one of them, right. or or right. some Bruce." Right. Yeah. Right. Well, CCR added to the playlist. We need a, a Mitch Rap podcast Spotify playlist to, playlist to push That's out. Let's, let's do that. We can let's put get it in some the, ideas uh... from the listeners. If Rap, if you were to hack Rap's iPhone and see his playlist, what songs are on it? Hit us up, Facebook, Insta, Twitter. That also, I posted a um, little little picture of who would you cast as the cooks right and for nicholas ward so very interested to see who who you guys based on our pod one discussion we 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 talked about our casting who who you guys would cast so hit us up on the socials i got some interesting submissions from rod Gregg. he had a whole cast planned out for everybody in this book even down to like david chisholm like he was cast in so we'll we'll have to read that out at the next one or maybe a rap on rap to uh for our patrons. Okay. All right. Well, uh, what scenes are we breaking down here, Chris, on our race to the end of Enemy at the Gates? All right. So today we are covering, I guess, the last two thirds of the book. We're going to kick it off with the attack on the compound. You know, we we left off. We're, we're picking up right when uh, Irene and what's his name? Marcus, like Marcus, your boy, my boy, get a hint that there, there's a mole, and then this leads to the planting of information, the bait and switch. But hold on, we got to get into that because this is one of Kennedy's shining moments. When Marcus, my dude, Marcus comes in, he he hasn't changed a bit 
I could I imagine he's like he's got to be like in his forties, maybe even fifties, because because he's up there too. Oh no, although Stephen Rapp is a little younger than Rapp, so maybe Stephen Rapp's age. But either way, Marcus is still like a nervous little kid talking to Irene and busting into her office with just this worried, troublesome look on his face and just apologize. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And Irene's like, whoa, slow down. What's going on? And because Marcus was playing around in the CIA system, he wanted to run some unauthorized diagnostic. Who the hell knows what he was doing? Maybe that's a plan. Very, very sketchy. Maybe that's something in the future. Who knows? But Marcus is fishing around, you know, Marcus doing what Marcus do. And Irene's like, just come clean. I don't care what you were doing. What's the big deal? And he goes, there's been an intrusion. I would have never caught it if I wasn't doing something, you know, off the books. But since I caught it, someone was deep into our system and it's untraceable. Whoever it was is one, really, really good. And two, for some reason, very interested in Nicholas Ward, because that's all they took, the complete file that the CIA had on Ward. I have a nit to pick with this. I, I, we were talking about this before the before we started recording. The fact that Marcus can't Marcus is supposed to be talked up to be this like super hacker, and he can't trick Mike Nash by himself. Like, find some way to to get in there. I I don't know. I, mean, I guess you have to you have to have the whole bait and switch. It sets up its plot like. Don't argue plot points. But to me, it just was out of character for, for Marcus. I think if it was, I think you're right. If it was as simple as Marcus got beat, but it, I don't think that's what it was because Nash wasn't necessarily the one doing the digging himself. He was just the White House liaison to the NSA. And so he basically just disclosed to the NSA what their people needed. And you got to imagine... Whoever the cooks hooked him up with is like top of the line NSA. Mm -hmm. And with Nash's level of security clearance and Nash's basic understanding of the system, they were able to get in. So I don't think it was like Marcus got beat by this other random hacker who just is anonymous and we don't know anything about them. I think it's just this thing went so high up the ladder. The American president authorizing the NSA and the assistant or the deputy director of the CIA, I think all those factors combined are a solid reason why Marcus wouldn't be able to just detect this, stop it, attack it, end it. I think there are layers there. Do you think then that should have tripped Irene to suspect that it had to be someone super high up? But that checks out. That's what she did. I think she realized this has to be something really higher up, higher up beyond me and from the inside. So there's a mole. And she and she one-ups the mole by saying, actually, Marcus, if I give you the file back, can you put it back like we never noticed and the mole would have no idea that we caught them? Marcus is like, yeah, I could just ignore it, but this is kind of a big deal. And Kennedy's like, no, I'm going to alter this file a little bit with some telling information that's like subterfuge to trip up the mole and then just put it back and we'll act like nothing happened. So I don't think that's just a plot device. I think that's Kennedy being Kennedy. Right. And it's, no, I, now that I think about it, you're, you're right. You're right. And remember, yeah. she impl she planted details like at the Ward compound in Uganda, if you were going to hit it, go to the northwest corner and there's a power cable, you know, a foot under the ground. And if you slice that, they have no communications and no security system. So then you can come in from the northwest corner. 
when one, that's a false cable, and she tells Scott and crew to plant a false right. cable. Scott's able to set a minefield, and it's a muddy hill. So it's probably the, the most defensible and least accessible part right. of the compound. So if if Gideon Alma attacks it, you know that Gideon Alma got his info from the mole that mm-hmm. Marcus and Kennedy are onto. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's perfectly set up. It's perfectly it's set up. I actually got to say that's one of my winners. That whole attack on the compound, but also the intelligence and what Kennedy and Marcus do. For Kennedy and Marcus having a pretty small role in this book, because they're not attached to the action for a lot of what Rap has to do, he has to do in Uganda on his own, this is a winner still. Absolute winner. I, I would agree with that. And I don't know. I love this whole compound scene. Like right. the chapter before where we, where we get like Scott, you know, sending the boys out to plant that thing and uh, plant the, the wire and, you know, they're gearing up. They, they set up wicker on, on the one side and set up this water cannon. It, it As I'm reading it and then like the whole scene when, you know, these crazy drugged up people come and, and start attacking this mudslide both of these or uh, these couple of chapters just reminded me of some medieval tale or you know game of thrones uh lord of the rings uh, even like i don't know the way that they were running like kind of like uh world war z where you have these zombies right. just like coming coming up the hill and they're, they're not st- they're, it's like helms deep they're losing yeah they're losing limbs and but they're still coming you know yeah it was it was really good writing like yeah you know this is where kyle excels i i, I feel like you know because it's almost like semi fantasy. Not it's not super technical, but it, it has some technical like technical aspects. You know, with the with some of the, the um, machinery that they use in this water cannon. But I don't know. This was executed to a T. Yep. And it's kind of cool that we're strung along because that action is is happening. Right. And uh, for a second, we don't I'm know like, what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. The way they're describing these people hyped up on this Ajali, the sacrament drug that they're on, and they're like walking through minefields once they've lost limbs and still crawling up this hill. I'm like, are they going to get overwhelmed because of this? Right, right. But you you learn that even that's a distraction because Mitch and the and a more secure team are at a heliport a little while away, I think like seven or eight miles away, because Alma was also given intel that that was how Ward would be evacuated in an attack. Right. And so Mitch knows Alma is going to be waiting, and the guys he sent to attack the compound are just a distraction, really. That's how they're able to intercept Alma and capture him, thinking that Ward is going to escape on this helicopter. He only brings a small contingent, thinking they'll just you know kind of get him. And just enough guys for the taser grenade to, know, uh, we get, to we, take down. It was mentioned earlier in the book. He knew it was, gonna, he knew it was coming back, and, and it does... Uh, it was pretty cool. And they needed Alma because now they, they know Alma got the information from a mole. And Alma's going to basically have to tell them who his source is and who he's talking with. But it's on his phone. And his phone is back at his his headquarters, you know, in the forest of Uganda. His temple, if you will, because they treat him like a god. So I wanted to talk to you about this whole subplot of Alma. And the way he's described earlier on in the book didn't jibe as well with how he acts once he's captured. I know he's captured, but, and he, they, you know, they even chorus him to film this fake video showing that 
Chisholm and is dead and that he's ransoming Ward and, or maybe even Ward's dead. And then, you know, they do this by strapping a, you know, a bomb to his balls and then they get him to go along with the whole like, Synthesized, uh, what did you call the Najali? Anyway, Jolly. The colloquial name is the sacrament, the sacrament, which is pretty cool. Yeah, like freaking Ward is crazy. He's able to get his scientists to like super secretly make a synthetic version of this that is actually better. They improved the, right. the drug um, within days. Like this reminded me of the scene from Limitless where one of the people they get the limitless drug and then they get like their scientists like quickly to, to make it. I'm like, science doesn't work like that guys. Um, but anyways, <laughs> it shows Ward's resources though, that when it, you're a trillionaire, you does. literally have what you want when you want it. But we're speeding it up. I don't know. You've seen, um, what was that movie? Um, the pandemic movie that everyone was watching oh, yeah, last year. We're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, they, they, they get like the crystal structure in, in like two days, like, you have to sort of suspend your your disbelief when you're a scientist and sure, you see these maybe. things. Yeah. Anyways, but um, right. So I was saying, they get him to go along, you know, lock and step. And to me, I just felt like the character that was shown in the first scene, uh, first chapter, wouldn't go along this easily. Like for his, you know, especially if he thinks he's Jesus Christ, re, you know, recome, he would want to sacrifice himself. You know. But maybe that shows it's all a sham. He, he doesn't actually believe in it. I was just going to say, I, I think there's something telling there. I think the reason mm-hmm. it rubs the reader, you and I both, the wrong way, is that it is a sham. And he really only plays this persona tough man as a power move, knowing how he will control this village and all his, his followers, if right. you will. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz, you know, the man man behind the curtain. Right, I think him just defaulting to this pussy essentially like shows that's what all these tough warlord guys actually are at their core. The mm-hmm. second they know they're beat, they're worthless pieces of crap. And yeah, it was weird to watch Alma just be a nobody in the end because he was built up as a pretty wild character from the prologue. You think like this is going to be a pretty cool villain, but he ends up not being all important of a villain. He was kind of just a plot device in the end to get wrapped to the mole. So I wish there was more, but I think it also is telling of reality that he's really just a coward. Yeah, and I think I guess you, you couldn't have that strong of a villain in this sense because you need it the makes cooks. the cooks right, you know, be the puppet masters and like that it just makes them so much more daunting, I guess. Yeah. So and but I, I will say oh go ahead. I was just gonna say Kyleism. I was gonna pull yeah. the Kyleism card. Kyle likes his quirky characters. So getting yeah. Ama and that kind of crazy shit out was like, and the drug is just kind of like that, that little bit of extra quirk, uh, ex- including these like sex slaves that Ama keeps and like these teenage girls. Like I feel like he's just showing us the underbelly of these societies because Kyle likes to do that. But then the other Kyleism was maybe not having a clear cut Vince Flynn style villain. Mm-hmm where Kyle does like the gray area because it's like Alma's a clear-cut villain, but he's not the main villain. Are the cooks the villain? Or is Kyle trying to say someone like Mike Nash, who's a traitor to his friends, is a villain? So uh, we'll get to that. He's kind of making Nash is not the villain. Nash is not the villain. Nash is not the villain. So is the villain Alma or is the villain the cook? So yeah, I I just think it's very Kyleistic. Or is it Nicholas Ward? Kyleistic. 
as Nicholas Ward to get into the um, the gray zone here. Right. I will say the one cool thing with the whole when they go to the sacrament scene, almost death. You know, Rap decides not to kill him himself and instead lets you know his his these slaves and, and people that he's you know tortured for years. I guess you know one as soon as one throws a stone. Right, yeah, you know, they all attack, and that, I don't know. I feel like I've seen that in some other movie, you know, that, or read it in some book. Um, What's that but, short story where they throw rocks and they stone somebody? The lottery. The lottery, right, right, right. Maybe a little yeah. bit of that going on. You don't want to win that lottery. That is not the lottery. Yeah, I volunteer as tribute. You don't want to win that one either. No, you don't want to win that one either. Um. One other thing you don't want to do is drink the Kool-Aid or take the sacrament. Uh, just one other reference, and I said this before, is Jim Jones and the People Temple. Mm-hmm. I know it's a whole other continent, but, man, I just this sacrament where he gives – Alma gives this speech and, like, has everyone line up to come receive it from him. And they're all, I want it, I want it, I want it. And then hours later, all these dead bodies and Rap's just listening to the chaos inside of Alma's cave because none of them will come inside. They, they can't disturb, you know, the god of Amma. And then you come out and there's all these dead bodies. And I'm just like, it, it just makes me think of those haunting pictures of the People's Temple in, in right. Guyana. I just, I couldn't get that out of my mind. Right. That was creepy. Ooh, heavy stuff, man. Heavy. So all of that was just a plot device in order to get wrapped the phones. Right. Which, and to find out that there was this contact. Muhammad Singh and to get rap essentially to Saudi Arabia. So right. two things. Mitch gives the phones to Ward who uses his people uh, secretly or one person secretly to track the phone. So that the phones are going to come in play later. Um, and the second thing we now know that there's another player involved and it's Saudi Arabia. Yeah. I think is this maybe the weakest part of the book? The Saudi Arabia sequence? Yeah, because well, it's it, I'm torn because cool stuff happens. Sure. But I don't know if I was bought into like, I thought the cooks were the bad people and now they're in bed with the Saudis and you go there and Muhammad Singh just is dead already. Dies. Which, he, okay. Well, not already, but rap, before Rap can talk to him, he dies. Before, right. So it was just like, Rap finds this person, which leads him to this person, which leads him to this person, and then he tracks down this person. Oh, and all of a sudden, he's cross-dressing and on a plane back to South Africa. I'm like... That was the funniest part. Okay. Yeah, we got to get there. I'm like... Ah. Okay. So, I don't know if it was working for me in terms of tempo and the plot development and these, like, It slows leads. down. It, it, slows, it down. slows down. But what was freaking awesome was how the Saudi gangsters or whoever who wants to bury Singh and get rid of him to show no connection between what is happening in Africa and themselves and the cooks. They put him in a construction site inside of concrete. I think he's still alive and they cover him in concrete or he just dies suffocating from concrete. What a great way. The dogs can't sniff that, I assume, if it's deep enough in the concrete. There's zero DNA evidence because it's all going to be rock solid inside Mm -hmm. of concrete i was just like that is a nasty way to hide a dead body like has kyle done this jimmy hoffa's probably buried right right. like kyle you got experience with this (laughs) probably 
you think you're staying up late at night thinking how you're going to hide bodies with no trace because that's just sick. Like, like that, the concrete thing just it, it, it blew my mind. But it was one of the cooler things I've seen in a thriller. That was really cool. Um, I get, the other thing that I liked from this section was it brought me back to Kyle and or Vince and Mitch in the third option. Sort of taking Mitch to the spy level. He's, you know, he has to get into the country and he knows that, you know, this country, which is, has more cameras than China or, or London, you know, even they're going to, they're going to find him eventually, even though, I think he gets like some work done as a nose or, or, you know, the, the person like doctors them up, but eventually they're going to figure him out. So he has to work quickly. You know, he has these different, um, tools to, to first track, uh, Muhammad Singh. And then once he gets Muhammad Singh's phone from the cement, uh, he then, you know, follows his other guy that, that he saw that he, apparently he did some work with back in the he day. Knew, yeah. And then this whole conversation with, once he saves that guy's life, um, what's his name? Um, Bashar Issa. Yeah, Bashar Issa. And they go to, what do you think of the safe house that, that him and Hurley had in Saudi Arabia? That was, that was cool. Yeah. It, and the little details about it were cool. How Hurley had arrangements done to get utilities like water and gas by siphoning them off from a neighbor so that they don't, they aren't on record as connected to a utility company. Like that was really cool. And then how it's a one-time gig. Neither of them ever used it, but they knew the layout because Hurley liked to have all his safe houses with the, the same, same supplies, same layout. So it's like second nature. That was Yeah, I love the details like that. And you're right. That's like third option. Mitch is a spy kind of stuff. Maybe even like kill shot kind of kind of feeling. Right. It just reminded me very much like a, a spy movie that the whole Saudi Arabia scene was, right. you know, scenes from a spy movie it was it was really cool in that sense but i agree with you in terms of it felt tacked on the whole saudi thing just felt a little tacked on it did it did i even mentioned last time how i was kind of disappointed with the cooks just defaulting to we want to make money and protect our investment Mm -hmm. because i know there's more backstory on them i feel like the saudi thing was another distraction from the cooks should actually be doing a lot of screwed up repugnant shit but instead, we're getting some couple of Saudi gangsters, hitmen kind of cover-up story. I, I think I would have liked those 10 chapters where the cooks are really fleshed out with their background and their motivations instead of this kind of third party getting involved. But I guess the cooks are supposed to be this global elite, right? Right. And we know the Saudis are, hell, they they're, they just bought a freaking... Uh, soccer team so they're also global sports sports washing at its finest so yeah well i will i think this is the weakest part but um still some very cool takeaways and i love some aspects of it and again another kyleism dropped in with bashir isa he kind of also has his own little monologue and we talked about how i at least jed jones i think of in total power kyle likes writing these monologues about someone explaining the state of the world or the future of America. And they often have kernels of truth in them, even if they feel like a little conspiracy. Uh, Bashar we need to Issa, pick up, we need mm-hmm. to, sorry, we need to monitor that as we go in like these next three. Order to kill. Right. Yes. You know, pick on that. Cause I, I don't remember many from uh, like lethal agent, obviously total power. There was some, but yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I, 
picked up on it more recently. I don't remember it from Kyle's earlier ones. I think maybe as he was trying to stick more to Vince and Vince's style with the survivor order to well, kill. You could you could argue that uh what's his name has uh um some monologues with uh, Rick Rick um true Joe Rickman. Joe Rickman, you know, his, yeah, especially true. when in his videos where he's with his video like be like crazy. So that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I think in the new sense, though, Kyle's doing a lot of them to trip up Mitch, sure. trying to say, like, how would Mitch respond to this worldview? In, and in this case, Bashar Issa is directly saying, hey, Mitch, he says, quote, do you know your weakness, Mitch? No. Why don't you tell me that? It's your unwavering belief in America in the glory of it, in its uniqueness. I realized it was all lies a long time ago, and now I fear it's your turn. Soon the curtain will be pulled back, and you'll see that your country is no different than any other. Democracy? It's an interesting idea. But if you look at history, it's an idea that burns bright but short. With the widening divisions in your country, and the man that you elected to lead you, that flame is beginning to flicker, and soon you will find yourself in the dark. Like that's that's got to be a, a a phrase from Kyle's writing about the collapse of American sure. democracy. Bashar sure. Issa is hinting Definitely. at that with yeah. the election, with the total power in your you know find yourself in the dark has to be a, um, you know a connection to total power. Mm-hmm. Like he's warning Mitch, like America's changing and your place in it has to change too. Yes, very true. So. I guess moving on from this, we, you know, I, he get rap gets more phones. Um, I guess these are the phones that he gives, uh, to Ward, but, um, you're not going to talk about rap's nice breasts. No, I, I was just about to say that. Okay. So All he right. get, he gets out sure. with the phones sure. in a pretty funny scene where he cross dresses, you know, he, he's able to get a hold of Claudia, Claudia, you know, sets him up with these sketchy ass people. They do this cool, like switcheroo on, yeah. on the highway. That's supposed to be like away from cameras. And you know, Bashir Issa, you know, eventually decides he, he can't go on because he needs to save his family, which, um, you know, understandable, I guess. And, you know, this guy gives him gives him a bag and it's full of women's clothes. What Suit did you up. think of that? Suit up. The one thing that was racing through my mind was Vince's brother on the book tour last year with Kyle. They did a virtual book tour event. And we had a couple of good laughs watching it when Vince's brother was like, Kyle, Kyle was trying to make the case. Mitch kind of has long hair. You know, it's grown out a little. And Vince's brother goes, no ponytails. No makeup, no ponytails. And I'm just like, oh, shit. One book later, Kyle doesn't only do a ponytail. He has rap cross-dressing, wearing heels, like, and a burqa or whatever. And, and it is. And like a, some Saudi garb, yeah. I'm like, no freaking way. That's funny. Like it's it's not permanent, so that's you know he's not he doesn't have a man bun. Oh, that was it. That that's also what uh, his brother said. No man buns allowed. No man so, buns. Yeah, I, I guess I when it's under the burqa, you don't you don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, you don't. I, it's I don't see rap as as a man bun kind of guy. So, well, I didn't see him as high heels and you know push up rock kind of guy. But you know, Kyle Kyle's gonna do what Kyle's gonna do. You got to get out of if you got to get out of Saudi Arabia one way. You you, you got to do it. Hey, Claudia makes it happen. Do you think Claudia was laughing while she was setting up that plan? I, I think so. It, this is like a Claudia's touch, you know. She totally. She told the dude who who got him the clothes to make it look like a woman. Absolutely, it's, it's easier to someone who goes shopping and 
get on a, get on a private jet and get out of there. That makes sense. Right. And again, that global ruling elite that can just hop wherever they want on a private jet, not being traced, take their money, go do illicit things, be home by dinner, you know. So no questions asked. Yeah, that's what Kyle's trying to show us, and Rap uses that to to go undercover. Yeah, and he gets out pretty quickly. Rap is freaking globe trotting everywhere. He's like, first he's in South Africa, then he's in Uganda, and then he's in South Africa, and then he's back in Uganda, and then he's over in Saudi Arabia, and then he's back in Uganda. Like, it was kind of throwing me for a loop, um, yeah, figuring out you know where in the world Mitch Rap was. I I will just touch you know this whole time. Mitch is undercover, right? And and in Saudi Arabia, Mike Nash thinks that he's dead. Yeah, thinks they're all dead. Scott and crew didn't win that battle of, of uh, you know, back in Uganda. And I, Irene comes to the White House, gives them the information about this attack, and, show you know, they Scott is able to, before, like, the satellite comes into play, make it look as seem as if they were overrun. And so, you know, Nash is really, really torn up there for a couple chapters and then we get this interesting chapter where nash then goes and meets with irene and irene i think this is the first time we get a hint that irene thinks it's mike because she's reading him this whole time that she tells him she now lets him in on the idea uh, that the fact that mitch is still alive um i think irene had had a hint that it was nash okay i think irene was testing nash i agree she was suspicious but I think the opposite happened. I think it's one of the few times Irene got beat. I think Nash played his cards perfectly because do you remember when Nash is like, okay, Cook already showed me that Ward's alive. I've gone through grief. I've gone through depression. There's even a passage about Maggie and she's like, worried about reps and uh, Nash's insomnia and depression. And we already know he's had PTSD. Nash realizes shit. If Mitch is alive and he tells the cooks worst case scenario, Mitch is alive. He's going to hunt us. Right. And if he's alive, that means he played us with the whole Uganda thing. That means he wanted us to think he was dead, which rap now has the advantage. He's ahead of the game hunting the mole and and Nash is realized, I'm the mole. Oh, shit. So he goes to the meeting with Kennedy trying to hide all that, keep it together. And when Kennedy's testing him, Nash goes, I know I passed the test when she reached for her tea. I said, mm. Irene, be straight with me. What the hell is going on? I thought Rap was dead. Do you know something I don't know? And they look at each other. And when Irene reaches for the tea and decides to tell him the truth, I feel like Nash beat her. Maybe. I mean, I guess if if she had anything, she would have told Mitch. And Mitch doesn't know until he gets that text about the phones. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Mitch was in denial. I, I'm, I really want that chapter uh, from, Mitch's, from Mitch's side, which we'll True. get next year. You know, because maybe, maybe we get a hint that Rap sort of had a, was a suspicion all along, and then this True. only confirms it. I don't know, but evidence that Nash plays Kennedy even further is that Nash knows he needs to know where Rap is in the investigation, right? which means Nash has to get to Uganda and find out what Rap is up to. Because once you have the wards 
resources on your side, Nash knows it's a loose end. I'll get nowhere unless I can personally find and reach out to Mitch. He gets Kennedy to agree to send him to Uganda. I feel like if Kennedy really honestly thought at this point that Nash was the one, would she have sent him to Uganda? Maybe so Mitch can kill him. I don't know. Yeah. Nash gets Kennedy to divulge what she knows. Like, I, I think Nash, he played her and he got what he wanted. He said, send me to Claudia. I'll be the person because Claudia will trust me. I'll be the one who you and I can both find out what Mitch is up to and where he is. And Kennedy says, go ahead. But maybe she knows that Mitch will get the upper hand. He's ultimately better than Nash. Yeah, it's it's True. you could sort of take it either way, but you could. Yeah, that's an interesting idea to know if if Kennedy knew all along and allowed Nash to play into her hand to go to Uganda, knowing that Mitch wouldn't let him come out of Uganda alive. If he was the mole, if they got if he evidence. was the mole, you know, Rap was gonna, you know, they were gonna figure this out eventually, or Kennedy had no idea. No idea that Nash was going to be the one to do this. Does it also suspicious that Nash is like, let me, let me get to Mitch. Like, you know, I'll do it. You know, I'm, I'm his friend. Cause she knows that it's a high up person. Yeah. Someone who's maybe even connected with the white house. Nash is the liaison with the white house going back and forth. He's been dropping all these hints to, to Mitch about the people. Uh, he's asking Irene what she thinks of, of the, the cooks. So he, he he's letting it maybe he's over the time he's letting it know that he has these feelings or at least she thinks that he's thinking about it he's thinking about them if he's asking her what her opinion is he obviously is formulating an opinion i it's an interesting question well i guess we'll never know or maybe we'll find out next book but we don't know yeah but we do get some of the psychology of nash here like where he's at mentally when one he's talking to irene but also when the cooks finally tell him Raps alive, and they they put the the pictures down, saying, "You think he's dead? Raps alive? What the hell is going on here?" They're like Mike, you said nobody could trace this back to us. With Rap alive and on the investigation, can he trace it back to us? And Kyle writes, "Quote: Nash barely heard anything. He hadn't slept in more than a couple of an hours a night since Rap Coleman and his men disappeared. Not only had they been friends and comrades in arms." But many had been his neighbors. Their houses stood like mausoleums in the remote subdivision, accusing him every time he passed. Maggie took his insomnia and creeping depression for grief. But that's because she didn't know what he'd allowed himself to be dragged into. And she would never know, despite the fact. In many ways, he had done it all to protect her. For their children. With or without Nicholas Ward, the world was changing. The wealthy and powerful were rising and leaving everyone else in the dust. When the gate finally slammed shut, it needed to be behind them not in their face. Boom, there's the cover. The enemy is behind the gate, protected by it, not getting shut out with the gate slamming in their face. I just, that line, I thought about the cover with the gate, who's on the right side of it. I thought it was going to be the cooks. The cooks are protecting themselves behind the gate. It's Nash. Nash does this. He does not want his family and his kids and his career stuck on the outside in a world that he wanted if if, if he was going to play the game he was going to be on the right side of that game for himself and his family well yeah he was turned he was he was turned by the cooks and he thought he was doing something noble 
as well as protecting his family. And then I think even when he finds out that Mitch and, and he sees the Mitch and he, then he realizes, oh, well, Scott's probably still alive too. I think he's a little bit hurt that they wouldn't have told him, right. told him. Right. So he's like, well, screw these guys. If they, yeah, if they think that they need to keep this from me too, I've been in through kidnappings. I've been through, you know, bombs with, with these people. You know, I, right. I stormed a freaking CTCT, you know, I helped, you know, secure suicide vests like they're gonna lie to me that they're dead right yeah, fuck them like make uh, me plan their funeral and pay for right. it as he likes to and tell pay Mitch. for it and pay for it you're gonna <laughs> let me funny. do that you were gonna let me do that yeah he's got some resentment and i gotta be honest or is that just justification the... his justification to himself either way it fits nash because i gotta be honest from the very beginning there was tension there was tension when he got the medals, he hated oh, yeah. Mitch for it. He didn't want to work at a desk job, but he eventually did. And Rap even says, Mike adapts. And so even if he hated it, he's a super soldier. He's gonna do he a, can adapt do to any environment. So he took the desk job. And you know what? He figured out how to do the desk job. And that's why he became the mole. Because he took a political position. He found out how to be a politician better than anyone else. And so... There was always this tension of Nash was not rap. Nash and rap were going to come to blows. They've Rap has beaten his brains out twice already. He's knocked his friend cold. Nash is not just going to be a punching bag his whole life. And the cooks were that catalyst to push him over the edge. Him thinking they were dead, then realizing he might have been responsible for it, pushed him over the edge. He saw his family life being ruined. He saw his potential career being ruined. He said, enough is enough. I actually might have been better off knowing they were dead. Yeah. Instead of them being after me and knowing I was the mole with the cooks, because he knows how those people, what they do to the traitors, Nash is like, I actually might have been better off with them all dead. I, I would agree. And I think that it's at this very moment that he even decides, I'm going to kill Mitch. Yeah. Like, I'm going to kill Mitch. And and I got to take out Scott on the way too, because you he could have done he could have done one of two things what he ultimately does or he could have been like shit I got played I did this by accident let me go to Irene and tell her what I did makes or, or let or let me go get in touch with Mitch and you know say the cooks were in it all along let's fix this and it was because of me let's fix this his first conclusion is not to think that because I think at, at this point if he was to come clean with with Mitch. And Irene, yeah. there might have been a, some fallout, but it's not like Mitch is not going to try to kill him over this. No, I don't think so. I think you're because right. Because at this point, he's not, he hasn't done anything but give information. The, the president asked for information, information, and this is what happened. And then he, he can then tell him that the, the cooks were in with the Saudis and they wanted to do this. And now you have me. I'm, you know, a du- triple mole or double mole, like a double cross. Right, right. I could build trust with the cooks, and if you have me on the inside with the cooks, we can do whatever we want. We we can basically control the American presidency for their whole time in office because I'll be working for them. I'll be trusted by them, but I'm secretly working with my friends. Because Mike could even say – So why doesn't bas- he do that? Basically, basically what he says in his monologue is that I had to do it. I had to give him this information. All he was asking was for stuff, something on Nicholas Ward. Right. He doesn't – he doesn't know about the Saudis until like right before this meeting with Irene. Yeah. 
It was kind of an innocuous ask. And it wasn't even get the file on Nicholas Ward. It was more, hey, can you just work with the NSA and kind of tell them a little bit about the CIA systems and, you know, just just work with this NSA person. And then, oh, they need a file on Ward? Okay, I guess no big deal. So how does Nash go from that to not choosing that option we, we just described? He feels betrayed. Right. It's personal. It's it's now personal. And like I said, I, I truly, for everyone who thinks, and like I was pissed off when I first read the book and Mike Nash dies. And I was just like, how could you do this to one of my favorite characters? But if, you know, I think it was great that I reread The Survivor and that we are doing this reread because you can see the foreshadowing of this. Right. If you come into this book and you haven't read those those other books, you know, 10, however many years, you know, what is it, Transfer of Power or, or, or The Survivor came out, you don't know that, you know, extreme he's measures. having he, extreme measures. He's having these problems with Irene and, and questioning her during The Survivor. Or you you don't remember man. that, that, uh, um, Mitch outed him and, and, and they came to blows and, right. and he wasn't okay with, with Mitch, um, you know, kidnapping that one, one dude, right. And, and bringing him to the farm. Um, and his family pursuit of yeah, honor. And his, his family got taken and his and, kid gets kidnapped because of basically Mitch putting his name out there, making him ex- a celebrity. Exactly. Like that's so, some deep PTSD type stuff that he's been harboring this whole time against Mitch. So I would agree with what Kyle said it perfectly and his justifications for it on our podcast in the sense that these two are, they're too similar to exist in in this world anymore. And it sort of made sense to make him the quote unquote villain, if you want to call him the villain, I, which I don't think he is, or, or, or I don't think he's a traitor. He, he got played. But in his mind, the reason that he doesn't choose that option to come clean is because of everything that Mitch has done in the past and what Mitch has done during this book. To not trust him, to not let him in on uh, on this, and for Irene to also, you know, because she just puts him out. She, they're they're the ones that made Mitch Mike Nash this. Like it's their You're fault. Right. It is their fault. And Mitch has yeah. to, Mitch has to deal with that. Yeah, I think you're right. He's the one who forced Nash to kill himself, essentially. Like, yeah. So, I I agree with you, and that that's why I think it checks out. I think people's first reactions have been, "What the hell? That was so out of out of out of place." I don't think so. No, it wasn't at all. I agree with your your rundown. And that's there. what makes this book really good. That's yes. what makes this book really good. You know, I we we pick nits, we pick nits on every book. You know, like you can you can pick nits on any book. Like even the great works of fiction, you you can find like some flaws. But what makes this a great book is the fact that you, you he was able to connect things from extreme measures from pursuit of honor from the survivor from the last man right and culminate that entire backstory make this compelling case with this mole and then have him go out that way like it, it mitch and irene are the, are the reason this this happened in the first place like it's right it, that's why this book is in my mind my final decision for it is it good i've been going back and forth back not not like is it bad it's not like it's not a bad book at all, but like, you know, sometimes I waver how much I like it. And now just talking it out, like that is why this is a really good book. I agree. Absolutely agree. There's even a line like 
Kyle does that deliberately where it says, Mike has never been this stretched out before. Not when he recovered from the blast in Afghanistan that blew you know, his eardrums out and gave him a concussion. He's not been this stressed out even when Mitch shoved him in front of the cameras and he did not want all that. Even the attack at the, the Joint Counterterrorism Center where mm-hmm. they took out the terrorists. Even when his daughter was captured, even when his family was in jeopardy, he was never as stressed as now. That is the sign of a man in a bad place mentally, a bad place with his relationships of friends, and a man willing to do whatever it takes to save his family. We know he's the family man. And and he, he yeah, that's – he even, even goes, I'm not going to get my jeans dirty with you hunting me through the woods or whatever. I'm going to stand out here on this pier and with some dignity let the story of my life come to a close. And that's what he does. I think he knows that Mitch wouldn't let people find out what actually happened. Because Mitch has to assume some responsibility for this. And right. by doing that, Mitch is going to, Mitch does the, does a crazy thing at the end and makes him the hero. Yeah. Literally everything that Mitch had done in this book to figure out everything, he does it again and, and you know, puts Mike Nash out there um, as the as the victor and tells Maggie, his wife, everything that not not everything that he did, but instead of a lie and, and you know, he's he goes out as a hero and you know, Mitch has to live with this. Mitch put that gun in his mouth. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. He kind of, yeah, he kinda of did. Cause Mitch even said he was never gonna kill him. Yeah. He's gonna ruin him. He's not going to kill him. He's going to ruin him. He was going to make him like be shoveling snow, right? Some CIA like house in in Siberia, right? If if he was able to survive, you know, the zone because he was going to leave him in the jungle for weeks. Maggie, she knows. Maggie's reaction, obviously, is is right. Just shock hearing this news. But Kyle also writes how. It should have been Mitch. Yeah. Maggie's eyes told the story of why the hell did you two, Kennedy and Mitch, why the hell did you put my husband in the jungles of Uganda? He's a family man. He has a desk job. His kid's off in college. His little baby at home. It should have been – like she. she's like – in her mind, she doesn't say, but it, Mitch, it was supposed to be you. You're the one who does all that shit, you know? Not my husband. And you can argue that – he would Mike might not have been in this place if Mitch had not made Mike Nash the the poster child that he did all right. those books ago. Right, right. It should have been Mitch then too. It it sh- right. Right. Oh man, this is the the arc of the that's what makes the arc of these books so powerful. It's not just Nash's arc, it's not just Mitch's arc, it's their relationships arc. Mm-hmm. Like even when Nash wasn't around for a few books and Kyle didn't use him all that much as an integral part of the story, his arc was still continuing. You could sure. still come back to it. Uh, it's just the long game, right, you know, is playing out. Like, if you can argue Lethal Agent and Total Power didn't advance the characters all that much, sure, a big virus is going to change the landscape of America. The loss of the electric grid was going to significantly impact American politics for the future. But those two books didn't really advance 
the characters and their place in the story as as a, as a whole, as a series. This Besides one, the fact of, I think the only thing it did was to show Mitch that the world is changing and he's getting older and he needs to get out. Like they they don't, you know, he, in the book, those new. two books, he's. But that's not new. There's no terrorists though. Like I guess there are, but they're not like what Mitch has been trying to go after for the longest time. Sure, but they they got him yeah. doing. You know, Mitch has to sit down and he leaves like that bunker because he's like, find me when you have somebody to kill. Like, sure. That's what he does best. I, I agree. But Mitch getting out or it's kind of I mean, it's been done <laughs> since transfer of power since the first book. Since the first book. I'll put it this way. No one major dies. OK, I loved Lethal Agent. I, I liked Total Power and they're they're fine and really good books. Lethal Agent, really, really good book. They didn't do much for the series as a series they did a lot as books they were great reads they didn't push the series forward enemy at the gates pushes pushes the series series. it really pushes the envelope you don't have a major character dying in lethal agent or total power you don't have um some big threat to america besides death right people dying in the power grid people dying in the in the coronavirus but this book has a different threat to America that's more like philosophical of our values, our beliefs, our underpinnings that Mitch has to struggle against and loses a friend in doing. And Irene's career may be perhaps coming to a close or at least her official capacity in the government. I like when books have those stakes. The stakes of, oh, my God, I'm everyone in America might die. Fine. Those stakes are in every nuclear war movie. Sure. I mean, those stakes are in every pandemic story. But the stakes here are not everyone in America is going to die. The stakes here are there won't be an America or the stakes are there won't be an America where Mitch and Irene are the ones protecting it behind the scenes. Like, I don't know what America looks like after Enemy at the Gates. Mitch and Irene working for American and the government at all look like after Enemy at the Gates. It upends a lot of that. Total Power and Lethal Agent. Sure, they were good, compelling stories, but they were. Oh, my God, if this happens, so many people die stories. Enemy at the Gates is more than the stakes are just a lot of people will die. Yeah, and it it's like those two books are like Memorial Day, and this book is like Consent to Kill. Where we Dude, see, yes. Where yes. we see an advancement in the character. You know, yes. Anna's death ultimately changes Mitch for the rest of the series. You know, that, that is a huge impact right. event in his life. Mike Nash's death and the cooks becoming this crazy villain are altering, you know, series altering events. So true. Where Memorial Day was not, it's still my favorite book. It's amazing. There's no Scott. Like, I think there's very little Irene, if I recall. It's an amazing book. It's an amazing Mitch Rapp book, but you're right. In terms of the stakes for the series and those characters, They've got nowhere to go in the book. It's just sure. let's stop the nuclear attack, you know, stop the terrorist. Where like Lethal Agent was the same thing. There's no real stakes about Irene, uh, relationships, Mitch and Nash, M- Mitch and Scott, M- Mitch's family life. Like it all just kind of hums along. The threat is this disease will kill America, like the nuclear bomb in Memorial Day. That's a great point. That's a great point. Do you think people to, know what the hell we're talking about, or are we just talking out our ass at this point? I I don't know. I guess for me, 
we could either, you know, discuss nitty gritty plot details or try to, because I think the big question out of this book is why have Mike Nash die or why have him be the mole? Why have him? Why did you do this? You know, Kyle's mentioned that he's gotten some emails. Uh, You know, Rod Gregg even mentioned that he got some emails. I'm I'm sure like I myself reading it was like, what the fuck? Um, So I can't I can't be the only person that that did this. Even when we had our patron hangout, people wanted to talk about that. That's the only thing people want to talk about. This is a crazy fucking ending. This reminds me of Brad Thor's was it the spy master where like the spy master, you know, the old man and his, his wife, Laura, like get killed. Like it's like the same thing from consent to kill where, where Anna dies. Like it's like, holy shit. It's a, it's a talk about moment. Like, yeah, you don't talk about, Oh shit. Mitch saved the world at the end. You know, right? Because he's that's expected. Expect, that's to expected do that. to happen. That's exactly to happen. that was my point. Yes, you're. Yes. So even if people are talking about it, it's and like their the first red reaction, it's like the red wedding. Yes, and even if their first reaction is, "What the hell just happened? I hate this." But if you want to talk about it, it's doing something right for the series. Because would you agree if that was your first reaction? But you wanted to talk about it, and then you had a bunch of conversations about it, and then you reread it. This book gets even better. Yeah, and I think that's why we're here to discuss our theories. And, you know, hopefully when people are listening to us, they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. And let me go back and read it again. I was thinking the same thing, too. Let me reread that. Right. You know, see if I come to that conclusion. Because I think when people do reread this, and and think about it. Have conversations. We urge you have conversations. DM us, tweet at us. Tell right. us we're fucking batshit crazy. You know, I think this is fundamentally important for the series. Like it makes these things interesting. Yeah. Tell tell me this is the worst book in the series. Tell me this is the best book in the it's series. Not, I want to know why. I, but I but I just want to know why you feel that way. And then I'm gonna say, read it four or five times like I have. <laughs> and you will move it up that list for sure. Like you will absolutely move it up that list. Yeah. No, I it, even just miss the talking of I'm moving up the list. <laughs> all, all right. All right. Because I had it higher up the list than you did. I know that. I'm curious to see where you're going to end up here after our discussion. But can I just do a nitty gritty? You mentioned we sure. don't we don't want to get into the nitty gritties. But how cool was that car ride where Mitch is like, where the hell am I going? Nash gave me this iPad with a video of Irene. Why would she reuse the Belarus code? That's a code she would never reuse and a lot of people had access to. So it's not that secure. Is the same time where he gets the text where Ward remembered, hey, you said you lived with a friend who works at the CIA? Well, we were able to unlock and track the phones. We pinged a tower that a burner phone pinged. And guess who else's phone was near that tower when the burner phone pinged it? Someone in Manassas. Someone on your block. And it's that text message that makes Mitch go, shit, somebody at the compound was the mole, and it had to be somebody who worked at the CIA. He throws the phone on the ground, crushes it, pulls over to a gas station. I want to know what Mitch was doing at that gas station because he comes back and says, hey, we got to take a detour, like an extra three or four hours. The guy told me the road's been washed out up ahead. How did Mitch and what was his conversation like to Scott Coleman when he went yeah. inside or behind that gas station and 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 set everything in motion? 
Oh, and when they're there and it's Nash says, all right, Mitch, you're, you're outgunned. I got, you know, seven of the, the best sharpshooters on my team. And then Mitch then like pulls up, pulls one on him and the masks go up and it's oh. Scott and, and Maslick and, 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 and Nash realizes that, oh, he's fucked now. That was like, whoa. My God. There's even Nash, I think, looks at Scott take his goggles off. And he can't look at him, right? Can't look him in the eye. And he goes, I'm not even going to look at Maslick. I know yeah. that's Maslick. I'm not even going to glance at him. I can't stand myself even to look at him and confirm that that's Maz. Because, shit, I know that's Maz. The only person he can turn to face is Rap. And that's when Nash goes into his, like, full-on monologue. Monologue, monologue mode about America and, and his place in it and his friendship with Mitch and what happened to him. And, oh, that's a scene, man. When those goggles go up. Imagine these guns, fully full tech gear. I'm thinking of something from like an Andrews and Wilson's cover, just in the jungle of Uganda, in this isolated like eight, 16 hour drive, whatever it was, away place. And Mitch sits down on this rock, and Nash is like, "What the hell?" And the guns turn on him, and Scott takes the goggles off. Just, oh my god, I loved every minute of that. Like I've I've gone back and just reread the last like three chapters of this book, like oh yeah, ten times. So here's a question for you. Yep. At the very end, when this happens, oh here it is. Nash looked away before he could even meet Scott Coleman's eyes, returning his attention to rap. As terrifying as his dead stare was, it was better than the pain that would be so etched that would be etched so deeply in the former seal's face. He assumed the other two men were Joe Masnick and Bruno McGraw, but he refused to confirm it. I think right there, and then when rap goes, I'm giving you a five-minute head start for old time's sake. That's where you end the book. The whole chasing Nash up the hill, trying to embarrass him, and Nash killing himself— I think that would have started the next book really well. Oh, shit. That would have been a crazy end, start. You end this book with Rap turning the tables on Nash, and Nash has to fucking just turn and run, and you don't know what happens. That's 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 too harsh. That's too harsh. <laughs> because we would have been talking about, does Scott shoot him in the back? Right. Do they let him go? Where right. does he go? Like, the conversation would have been, what the hell happens? And instead, after that high drama, like that amazing scene, it cuts to rap just kind of pondering, climbing some hills, shooting at him, bang, 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 randomly trying to miss on purpose. I feel like that was a letdown after the when my heart just dropped when Scott revealed himself. I feel like no, that but I think then it then it recovers once we get the suicide. The like, suicide, right? It that's such a shocker thing. That I don't know. I, I I like your idea, but I, I think that's just that's too much of a cliffhanger. It's too much of a cliffhanger. But wouldn't it have been a cool. Oh, okay, so imagine the talk at the end of this book with Nash on the run. You don't know what happens, and then the next book, boom, prologue, the suicide. Like, I think it diminishes his suicide though. You, because <sighs> then it's the first chapter, and then you have the whole rest of the book, and then like we're more focused on the rest of the book. It's true, because things move on from him so quickly. Yeah. 
That's fair. It I doesn't. We now have a whole summer or whole year, not summer. We have a whole till next summer, next fall, whatever, to think about this and and what Mitch is now going to do and what are the cooks going to do. I, I agree with you, and I think that's um, what Kyle wants us to think about. I agree with you, and Nash's final words do justify it. So I thought yeah. for a while that would be a cool idea. But here's what Nash says on the very last page, which I think justifies this ending. It's been a wild ride, huh, Mitch? The things we've done, the things we've seen, even if we could talk about it, no one would believe it. I stopped to tell you something, man. There's no reason for me to lie anymore, right? So you should just take this seriously. None of this shit matters. Just Claudia, Anna, Irene, Scott, and the guys. That's it. Everyone else is just waiting to stab you in the back. That's what I learned traveling the world and all the conference rooms. We all die, and in a few years, no one will remember we even existed. Nothing we do means anything. And Mitch says, do you have a point? Yeah, I do. Make peace with the president, Mitch. Even if you and Irene can't stand against the storm that's coming, I know you don't want to join him, but at least he's smart enough to back away. And while I know you haven't listened to me much over the years, you should think about what I'm telling you. It's good advice. He raised his sidearm until the barrel was tucked under his chin. Mike, no! But it was too late. The gun sounded, and he collapsed to the jungle floor. George Goodell does a much better job of that, but that's good shit. You're right. That is a good ending. Yeah, because now we're thinking about make good with the cooks. Right. His last words. So. And then Irene wanting those two glasses at Mitch's house of wine. <laughs> you know shit's about to get heavy when she's drinking two glasses. Are they going to make nice? Are they going to heed Nash's advice You know, from the grave? I don't know. All right. Well, that's Oof. that's the book. That's what the book. book. All right. So let's just do it. Winners and losers, man. Who's your winner? Hmm. I really liked the ending. I thought the last fifty pages were amazing. I I liked the mole stuff. I liked Kennedy's plan. The hit on the compound, bits and pieces of the plot were just rocking it for me. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to have to say the whole idea of a mole was was really genius. And then having the mole be Mike Nash and, um, like like we said before, just building upon the, the foreshadowing. I, I think doing a reread, I th- go back and reread Mike Nash's books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would be, is a great, you know, if you have some free time. You know, you're, you're, or you're confused about the ending, or, or you're upset about the ending. Go back and reread those books: Extreme Measures, Pursuit, Pursuit of, of Honor, Honor, Last um, Man, Last Man, Survivor, Survivor, and then now, and you will get it. You will completely understand it. And, right. um, yeah, I, I think that the ending was to me. It's just Kyle is such a good writer. I mean, Vince was a good writer as well. They're both. I think that's what makes these books so good because some of the, some of the other things like the plots are good but the writing's just not crisp the writing in here was just at times very crisp yeah uh nicholas ward big winner great character yes great the character cooks, cooks, cooks were good also, i i wanted more of them i wanted I, well i think we're going to get more this I is think like we're gonna the get more, batman right? begins you know like and we're going to they're going to be the the meat of the bones i wanted the cooks to be the hank clarks 
of mm. the modern Mitch era. And they fell a little short of that for me. Uh, Hank Clark is perhaps the best villain in all rap. So falling short of that is, is not a bad whoa, thing. Right? Whoa, whoa. We got to have our villains pod. I can't wait we to do. do these at the end of the series. You know, we got to do a villains pod. You are right. We got, oh, we got to do Vince's villains. And then later oh, we, we can, can do, do Kyle's that villains. That's a good we idea. do Vince's villains. Now that we finished all the Vince books. Um, yeah, there you go. So anyway, I wanted to like the cooks just a tad bit more. I'm not going to say they're the losers. I love the idea of them. I want them fleshed out a bit more. I want to see them maneuvering a bit more, not just trying to protect their money. So I want to see that like that election cycle. I want to see the transition to Catherine Cook and like how they're going to handle this long-term plan of conquering America, essentially. So I wanted more there, but Nicholas Ward fleshed out exactly how I wanted. I love the hints of his relationship with Kennedy that they have a professional working relationship. I love Mitch trying to figure out who he was. I love the answers he gave about who he was and his vision for the world. So, yeah, I I love this idea of the ruling global elite and Nick Ward almost a foil to that of, yeah, he's the ringleader of the ruling elite, but he doesn't like all the shady stuff that's going on. He wants to solve some problems. Right. If you had to pick a loser, what would you say? I would... I would kind of pick this book apart and say it almost felt hashed together, like the Saudi Arabia scenes being stuck in there to advance the plot. Cool stuff, right? Like the concrete scene. I loved some of the tech in there. Oh, there's another piece of tech. This Google Maps overlay that the CIA uses. (laughs) If you want to trail somebody, there's a Google Maps like overlay app that basically gives you directions and speed limits to trail somebody, with, but but it keeps you far enough back so they can't get onto you and gives you like random exits to come on and off, but you won't lose your tail. So anyway, um, tech like that was kind of cool, but the pacing, the jumping around, you mentioned going from place to place, like that, we're back in yeah, South that, Africa. That was going to be my Uganda. loser. It was just, yeah, that was going to be my loser. Just the, I don't know, the globe trotting for the sake of globe trotting, uh, sometimes. Yeah. Like did, didn't Mitch need to go back and forth to, to South Africa that many times and, I don't know. I, I guess you you have to, but sometimes it just feels like. Especially, I think Kyle does this a lot. Where it's just maybe because he he globe trots a lot. Like I, I saw he, yeah, he's in true, Paris true. and then and he's over in in Spain. So I think he, he also he likes just to travel. Needs, he needs characters to be in certain places. Sure. So we just come up with a reason for that character to go to said place. But and I feel it, like Vince had. Yeah. Uh, we we started in one place and then we would we would wouldn't necessarily necessarily end in that place but we would like go along the journey you know like right. i think of the third option where we're over in germany and then we track him all the way back to the united states you know like it's and, not back yeah, and we, forth. yeah we we go from germany to the united states but like it's not back and forth um yeah i think vince's weaker books were where he'd randomly have a scene like oh they have to show up at a swiss bank but there's right. just one chapter yeah. they go to the swiss bank and then they 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 go back somewhere else uh, yeah, I think Vince's strength was when he kept you somewhere for half the book and then put you somewhere else for half the book. It let that setting really develop, which Kyle had here with Uganda. The Uganda mm-hmm. scenes definitely nailed that. Love the setting. Love the pacing. Going back to the prologue, right? I'm going to add that as a winner. Mukisa uh, Dongo. Is a winner. Yes. Gideon Alma. I'm adding the earlier first third of this book and the backstory on Uganda and Alma. Big winner of this book as well. So... More positives than negatives, but a couple of things to to pull apart here. We wouldn't be good uh, critics if we didn't didn't 
didn't bring some some picks. We said from the beginning we're not going to just be cheerleaders. That no one wants that kind of analysis. Uh, that every book is the best book ever. That there'd be no point to doing this if that was our play. All right, you got to give me your number though. You got to give me your ranking. It's that time. It's that time. And your your number or letter of how you rate this book. All right, so I'm going to give it a A minus, and it's a ninety or an eight eighty nine ninety. Yeah, that's an A minus, right? At my school, a ninety would be an A minus, an eighty nine would be a B plus. Oh, that's where your cutoff was. So which one are you going with? Uh, Did I get you I'm over eighty? So originally I had it as like a solid B. Um, like just I because I wrote these notes like back when I read it the first time. And then the multiple rereads, our discussion about it, it's it's gone up to closer to, you know, an A minus. Uh, all right. I'll give it a 90, a 90 square numbers. I'm with you. I'm going an A minus. Not a super solid A minus. It's not pushing A territory. So yeah, I'm going 9.1. It's got its hold there. Loved it. Here's a question, though. Top 10, middle of the pack, or bottom half of all rap books? Where does it fall? Mm. I'm sensing for you it's a middle of the pack. It's like an upper middle no. of the pack. See, that's the thing, though. When I, when I put it against other books, if I just want to give it a rating, I can't quite give it the same thing that I love lethal agent or consent to kill because there was parts of those, there was no parts of those books that I really, you know, just didn't like or not, not, you know, had problems with, but it's not like I have like, a, uh, it's high middle or low. It's right on that cusp of, right. of, of, of low top tier. You know, it's at the very bottom of the top tier or, or very, or the absolute top of the mid tier. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think we'll both agree it's not top five. It's not bottom five. We'll both agree to that. No. It's probably top ten, though. I would say it's top ten. I was going to say it's probably on the back end of top ten. But it might be I, it 11. Could be a, it might be like 11, you know? It could be a solid... Okay, it could be a solid eight. It could also be a solid 11. I think it it's guaranteed to be in the eight to 11 range. Maybe eight to 12. Sure. No, eight to 11 range uh, in the end. So, great book. Absolutely loved it, and I'm so proud this series is being taken further and deeper than I thought it could be. And after Lethal Agent Total Power, which were fantastic books themselves, the series needed a gut punch. And whether the, the, the discussion, the chatter around it is good or bad, I've heard both. At least there's chatter around it, and the series is getting a spark. It's getting something that's going to kick it into gear. And Kyle's next two are just set up to be bangers out of the park yeah because i think these books are interesting especially as an avid reader and someone who loves these series are they're more interesting when you can talk about something like that you yes. can have a discussion not about mitch saving the world which she ultimately always will but about why did kyle make this choice or right. how is this going to affect mitch and rap mitch and irene in the future that makes these things more interesting than just uh you know Save the world. Pick your, pick your hero, Scott Harvath, Mitch, Jack Reacher, Gabriel Lawn. Like when they just save the day, like oh yeah, that's a, what what those are important is the plot has to be cool and it has to be interesting and engaging. 
this to me goes beyond just a summer read. This is actually intellectually stimulating. And, yeah, you know, like this is what shows these books aren't just throwaway garbage literature. Like these books are are cool and can be can actually you can think about them on a different level than just, you know, a beach read. 100%, 100%. Now, we've already talked about our love for the cover. Do we oh, do yes. we need to do a cover review here? I feel like I feel like we've professed our, you know, love for Enemy of the Gates so many times. Yeah, no, I just have to say, you know, real quickly that the, the covers that they're doing now since I really think I think since Kyle took over They've just been amazing, um, really good, really thoughtful. You know, you could tell someone actually read this book, came up with this cover. Like, right, right, you know. right, right. We, we, I think we mentioned it when they did the cover drop. Like the whole, some of the letters are, are behind the gate, some of them are in front of the gate. So you, or like you don't really know. We didn't really know, like, is the, is the enemy in the White House or is the enemy outside the White House? Is it coming for the White House? Right. And then the uh, UK version. Oh, we yeah. talked about this briefly on a uh, rap on rap, but so who do you think that is? I think that's Mike Nash. It's got to be Mike Nash. I think you're right. It was Mike Nash. Is stumbling, almost drunk-looking silhouette, staring at the White House North Lawn. I would venture this person is in a bad mental state. You don't know their intentions. Uh, looking at the White House, do they hate it? Is has it ruined them? Are they going to attack it? just in a bad state of mind and I guess some sort of bullet hole or cracking in the middle of the text with the with the broken glass or surface emanating like a spider web out from from the center pretty cool cover and the and the the dark and the white the 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 colors and the shadow effects show that something ominous is going on relating to this character and it's his relationship with the white house so yeah I think that's a stumbling Nash just coping with i fucked my friends yeah i think i think this is this is the scene if i had to you know not that it 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 is but just in my mind after reading it looking at this cover this is after he came out of that the last meeting right knowing that mitch is alive and that you know i'm the mole mitch is going to be hunting for me fuck well i now got to take him down and he's just like in shock that he has to do this now, you know? Yeah. Man, good stuff. Very good stuff. All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed our breakdown of Enemy at the Gates. Uh, I really enjoyed talking about this book with you, Mike. I don't know. I really had a pleasure. More so than other books. Like, I, right. I, it was very, like I said, it was just very stimulating to, to discuss. Next time, I don't know what we're going to bring to you next time, but it will be a pod and it will be good. So <laughs> look out for that. Maybe we got to uh, do Vince's villains. Oh, that's a good one. Maybe we should. Let's, we, we completed all Vince's books. Let's, let's do Vince's villains. That's a good one. And then by then, it will be November. Time for what's next? Order to Kill. Order to Kill. Order okay. To kill. Nice. All right. Kyle's first full novel in that the survivor he had three pages to work off of from vince so order to kill technically kyle's first complete mitch rap novel written by himself yeah and i i think we're probably going to start to pick up quickly his diversion away from like we said the survivor was very much so a vince lynn book written by kyle mills right um 
we're going to see more of a Wait. Vince Lynn, like Kyle Mills, Vince Lynn book. You're right. Order to Kill introduces Grisha. I believe so. Yeah. Which, I, one of my favorite I, characters. I think this is the Grisha drop. I think it's coming. This is where he's a villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's working for, um, oh, and we, oh, ooh, ooh, that Russian president, Utkin. He actually might be the best villain. This is his, anyway, this is, I think, how he takes over power in Russia. Yes. With Grisha. Yes, 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 yes. So. Nice. Good stuff. All right. We always have to do this. We need to thank our patrons. We love you, including our special operator, Sherry F. Our special agents, George, Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us on MitchRapPod.com or on Twitter and Insta at MitchRapPod. And as always, make nice with the cooks. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster, but thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Gorilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.